welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we face every single day. And I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson. And this is already take two, y'all, with these two I got in here today. I want you to pray for me. These two members of my tribe are tripping. We can see each other today. And so they're acting up even more than usual. But I'm going to have them introduce themselves and then we will get into our topic of discussion. So, Tony, you go first. Hello, everyone. I am Tony Boyd, and I happen to be the host's beautiful older sister. Um, so proud of the accomplishments that she is is doing with her podcast, and I am I'm just glad to be here and be a part. Thank you so very much, beautiful older sister. Okay, Tam Tam. Hi, everyone. I'm Tamara Brooks. I'd also like to echo what um, Tony has said, and so proud of Karen and her accomplishments and all of her endeavors with the podcast and the journals. Um, For those who may not um, know me, I have recently a breast cancer survivor and love all things diversity and inclusion. So excited to be here today. Woohoo! And Tam Tam is going to be doing an episode later on. She doesn't know it yet about her cancer journey. Look at her dancing. Um, (laughs) And thank you for the compliments. I actually looked the other day and I am into like the 70s in terms of the number of episodes. I think I've done 71 or 72. I can't believe it. So we're going to have to have a big party when I get to 100. That seems like time to have a good part. They're dancing, y'all. So we're going to get into today's topic. And it's something that I've been thinking about for a while and was trying to figure out the best way for us to discuss it. And I didn't realize how many articles there were about it. Um, And I guess the the two kind of go together. I was thinking about doing them individually, but as I was reading, they kind of go together. So um, there's this big thing going on with what they are calling cancel culture, right? And I'm sure all of you guys have heard about it and you've seen it and just really finding out the origins of what it was really supposed to be and what it has turned into and whether or not some of the things that we are now, quote unquote, canceling really help the struggle, whether it's women's issues or uh, issues for people of color, or if some of it trivializes what we're going through. Um, and I'll get into a few examples, but just as I did research for this, it talked about really what cancel culture was really supposed to be about was a way for marginalized communities to have their voice heard when celebrities and people of influence were um, saying things that were um, inappropriate, doing things that were uh, inappropriate. And it was our way of holding them accountable. And what it was meant to do was, you don't really quote unquote cancel, right? But it was about us collectively coming together and we can say, well, I'm just going to ignore you, right? And helping them to realize how much their bread and butter as a celebrity or, or a politician or what have you, or a public figure is centered around some of the people that they are trivializing. You know, like, I don't know if you guys remember years ago, when Tavis Smiley was on the Tom Jordan morning show and I'm dating myself now, but y'all remember circuit city and some of the things that they were doing to um, disenfranchise people of color and just us saying, okay, we're not shopping in circuit city anymore. Right. It, it was really meant to be that sort of thing, but it has now turned into something that, um, you know, people on either side of the extreme, are turning into, it's almost like, you see there, they just want to get, you know, like some, I was reading the article and they're talking about like, oh, you know, they're, they're trying to cancel 4th of July, you know, like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, they've turned it into this rallying cry 
that makes it look like what we're doing is is trivialized and it's not as important as it really is. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And um, Tam, I'll start with you because you're in the diversity space. Um, am I explaining it right? Is that what cancel culture was really supposed to be about um, before other people kind of took over and it, it took on this life of its own and became something I don't even know if we recognize anymore? You're, you're right in your um, description of it. It really has its roots back in the civil rights movement um, when we would call out individuals for, you know, inappropriate actions or comments and, and what have you. And I think a lot of times, as with anything that frightens the majority, um, that we're utilizing our voices to call out, call them out on behaviors that are marginal, continuing to marginalize our community and continuing to keep us in our place. They have to find a way in which to trivialize it, um, to take its power away, to in essence, try to take our voice away. And so by doing things such as, you know, canceling Pepe Le Pew um, due to his, you know, um, amorous ways of, you know, when he sees a beautiful woman um, to talk about how women are raising their voices to talk about, you know, um, attacks on their body from rape and sexual harassment and things of that nature. So essentially saying shame on you women for not enjoying the attention that we're paying, that we're giving to you, um, you know, that you should enjoy that you, because you just should, we're, you know, we're complimenting you. So let's, so now you're saying we should cancel Pepe Le Pew and taking it to that extreme, right? So trying to trivialize or say what you feel and how you want to carry yourself or how people should perceive you is not as important as, as how I want to continue to treat you. Um, and so that's really, again, like I said, a way of them taking our voice away or trying to take our voice away. And so if we allow this to continue to happen, when we do raise our voice for concerns, it's not going to carry the same level, the same weight or the same level of importance um, as it would have maybe before if they if the majority were in line with the marginalized community. And I guess that was one of the ones I was going to bring up. And Tony, I'll ask you to give your opinion about it. When this whole Pepe Le Pew thing came out with Space Jam and, um, you know, and I heard several uh, people were talking about it, The View, other places, just about how what does that have to do with women who are coming in and saying that they've been harassed at work? Like how is canceling Pepe Le Pew from Space Jam really helping us to move it forward for women who are coming up and saying, hey, I was harassed on the job or this inappropriate comment was made. Um, how How is that helping? And that is really kind of what I was getting at. It's like, what is that going to do for the movement? So what, what are your thoughts on that, Tony? Because that was one of the ones I wanted to talk about was the whole Pepe Le Pew thing. Well, we all must be lovers of children and children's shows because Pepe Le Pew was on my mind as well. Um, I, I agree with what Tamara was saying about it's an effort to trivialize, um, you know, the things that, that women, minorities and, and anyone being, for lack of a better term, oppressed um, are going through. Um, but it is, it is, it, it's, it's just taking it too far. Pepe Le Pew has nothing to do with what happens to women in their workplace. No grown man is sitting there watching Pepe Le Pew and his actions and say, hey, I'm going to try that at work tomorrow. That's not happening. Um, and it wasn't happening. 
I, I think it's it's just a sign of what we do in America sometimes. And that is we put Band-Aids on things. We um, give the appearance of trying to address it because it's in the forefront, um, but really unwilling to look under the surface and see, OK, why is this happening? Why is it OK for this gentleman to think that he can say or do those kinds of why is that okay and what can we do to fix that we don't ever do that um we put band-aids on things and we we try to make thing make it look as if we're addressing it but but it's not and that's why we are, are reliving some of the same things that that have been going on for years that you would think at this point um we would be beyond and and have figured out a way to solve or, or work through, but, but we're not. We're we're almost, you know, with all of the advances that women and, and minorities have made, we're almost still in the same place because we're talking about the same issues. Because the majority has to see it as an issue. And if the majority doesn't see it as an issue, it's not an issue and it's not that, going to get fixed. That that is correct and amen because that's what happened with the drug epidemic. Wasn't an issue, wasn't important until it reached from one group of people to a different group of people. And so it, it, it's the same thing. And bringing that up, I mean, and then we'll get back to some more examples of, you know, what we're talking about with cancel culture, but just bringing up what you just said about like with the drug e epidemic. So years ago when it was crack on the streets, right? Um, you know, it was just a bunch of criminals and y'all need to get your life. But now that it's the opioid epidemic and it is impacting more of the mainstream um, and not just and not in black communities They're like I was watching the other day, there's going to be a whole documentary on it. And now they're blaming the pharmaceutical companies for, you know, selling it in the way that they are packaging it. So now all of a sudden we need to do something about it because these poor people. But when it was crack, right, because they weren't using crack. Why are you laughing at me, Tam? That's what it is. It's like, oh, my God. Like one man they talked about straight up became a drug dealer. He wanted it so bad, right? He was like dealing yeah. it, whatever, to make money so he could get more. I mean, like it, it totally screwed up his life in the same way that crack cocaine screwed up the lives of a lot of people of color in, in, in those communities. But now that it is opioids and it's in the mainstream, and it's a problem. So I guess I can see where you guys are coming from when you say that for sure, because they don't see it as an issue. Then it's not an issue. Um, and what do you think happens and why, what is the thinking when businesses and companies cancel stuff like Pepe Le Pew or like y'all remember earlier this year was the whole Mr. Potato Head thing. We just, we weren't supposed to call him Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> like uh, they had a Mr. and a Mrs. Potato Head. Like I couldn't quite get it. So when we, when we start picking apart things like that. Or, for example, I read another one as I was preparing for this where uh, Jimmy Fallon, I believe it was, dressed up in blackface and pretended to be Chris Rock 20 years ago. I don't mean last year. I don't mean two years from now. Like 20 years ago, he did this. And then there was a call to cancel his show. Right. So when we do that sort of thing. Why do you think that is, especially for businesses and corporations? They sit around the table and is it they're saying, oh, dear God, we better get rid of Pepe Le Pew for somebody calls or, you know, what are they thinking? What is the, the purpose behind that? Is it some failed attempt to feel like they're, you know, because that's the peep, that's the term. Oh, they think they woke. 
you know, you understand, which that gets on my nerves too. When everybody, you know, is politicians are, it's this woke culture we're in. They kind of use those interchangeably. Um, what do you think is behind that? I think part of it is that they feel they are doing the right thing, right? They're now, for lack of a better word, like you used Karen Woke, and have recognized that there may have been sexism integrated into some of their campaigns or products. There's racism integrated into some of their campaigns and products. And so now that we have this wokeness or awareness, let's better that, let's call it awareness. We now that we have this awareness that this could be seen as offensive to communities, and now we understand the history maybe behind why we picked Uncle Ben and why we're calling it Uncle Ben's Rice and we're using this old black man's face that looks like he's, you know, a house Negro um, to continue to sell our rice product. And now we realize that, you know, is offensive and we're in the 21st century and, we, you know, it's, it's just not the right thing to do. Let us go ahead and now that it's been brought to our attention and we are aware, let's, you know, go ahead and remove. Some of it sometimes is also they don't have the right people at the table. So when they look around the room, it is the same people who made the decision two years ago to keep Pepe Le Pew in Space Jam, for instance, or to keep Uncle Ben on the on the um, face of the box or to keep Aunt Jemima pancakes and what have you in their face on, you know, on their products. And even as they are trying to answer to the community's outcry about, you know, the, the, the oppression or the wrongdoing of a, an actor, they're now doing a quick scan of all of their products or services and picking maybe the thing that doesn't ha- have to carry as much weight or the, you know, the lower low hanging fruit, um, to, for lack of a better word, to be able to say, okay, we'll take, we'll take him off or we'll change this in hopes to keep, now we've answered your cry, continue to use our products and services and what have you, and know that we're now keeping our pulse to what the community's asking for. I, I agree with with a lot of, of what Tamara said. Um, and, but, but I just have one word to add to that. Money. <laughs> Whoever's exactly. got the loudest voice at the moment is who, companies, corporations, whatever, are they're going to address. So if it's the Me Too moment that has the 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 spotlight, the I'm sorry, the Me Too movement has the spotlight, then if there's something, then we're gonna get rid of Pepe Le Pew. If it's you know minorities who have the spotlight, then oh we're gonna cancel Jimmy Fallon because you know he he did that 20, I don't care if it was 20 years ago. Um, you know, so granted, yes, they don't have the right people at the table. They don't have a diverse table. You know, they 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 want to give a sense of 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 being aware, but it also has a lot to do with money. Um, I mean, I kind of like you mentioned Aunt Jemima. I kind of like what Mrs. Butterworth did. She had the scarf and all of that. Somebody at the table said. Hmm. We're in a new century now. <laughs> she needs to change. And they changed her. I didn't feel I was like, hey, somebody saw the need. And and they did that. And but to just completely this whole idea of just completely canceling things. Um, you know, but to bring up something from way back when and hold someone 
accountable for it now when they have shown some growth or or when you may have seen growth that's i i, I don't i don't believe in that i just that's that's part of my other issue with the whole cancel culture i kind of like what you um uh, saying that someone had come up with an alternative way to say that i i, I appreciate that Yes, I, I think so. And it was LeVar Burton. And I'm going to ask you guys how you feel about that in a minute. He was on The View and they asked him what he thought of the cancel culture movement, because it is almost like a movement and for, for better or worse. And he said that he felt it was misnamed. It should be called the consequence culture, which I like a little bit better because there are consequences for everybody mm-hmm. for what you do. Right. And you know, I guess when you look at products like the Aunt Jemima thing or whatever, and I guess that's what you know, people who are um, extremists one way or the other, it's like, oh, now all of a sudden you woke and you got a problem with Aunt Jemima. Well, first of all, I don't know how many black people were up in arms with a sign saying, get rid. I'm not saying that it wasn't right. I'm just saying that, you know, when they do those types of things, then they look at us as though we're the ones asking for, like take Dr. Seuss, right? So the people who own the rights to his books and his image and brand looked at some of those books. And I'm not saying they were wrong and said, hey, some of these images for the times we're in today are not appropriate. And so we're going to sunset some of these books, but not because black folks were rallying and saying, get rid of the Mulberry Street book or whatever it was. They took a look at their books and what they're offering and said, hey, For the time we're in today, maybe when this book was written, it was a different time. Attitudes were different. But when you know, when you know better, you do better, basically. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at these books and we're thinking that this isn't appropriate for us to be or or the Disney um, shows or or movies that they put in the vault or what what have you. Black folks were not running around with signs saying that again, not saying that it wasn't a good thing to do. But, you know, we then. Black folks, people of color, marginalized groups get the quote unquote blame when we when you take away their books from Dr. Seuss or when you change the way their pancake mix look. Right. And I guess that's my concern. And then because really behind the scenes, are they really doing what we need to have done for the world to be better for all of us? Do you understand what I'm saying? While you get yep. rid of yes. Jemima, right, are you putting your money behind voter suppression nope. laws? Okay, while you're getting rid of um, those Disney movies, are you speaking out? Well, I mean, there are states all over who are trying to make sure that they make it very difficult for marginalized groups to cast their ballot. So are you putting your money behind that? Or are we just, as you said, putting a Band-Aid on or making a big show of, see, we changed Aunt Jemima. See, we got rid of those Disney movies. But are you really behind the scenes working with us to ensure that things are really better because changing Aunt Jemima and the way she looks Mm-mm. right at the end of the day right. isn't going to help me from right. worrying about right. whether or not I can vote or my kid being but that's, 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 but that's the, the change but the changing of that is the low hanging fruit you're asking right. them to do a lot of heavy lifting right the low hanging fruit is we can go ahead and change we can go to the art our, our art director and have him change the way Aunt Jemima or Mrs. Buddy Butterworth looks we can go ahead and just stop selling or stop printing, you know, Songs of the South and the other Disney movies that have been archived and put in the Disney vault. We can take those and put those in the Disney vault. Very little money. You're asking them to do heavy lifting that is going to include money being put out. 
or money being withheld, relationships being burnt. Because at the end of the day, as Tony said, everything's about money. And so, yes, you're a consumer or a small fragment of your consumer population in some instances may be asking for these changes or may not be asking for these changes, but you know they're gonna, it's gonna affect that small community of consumers that you're going after. But for me to go and press my congressman about making sure these voter suppression laws don't happen, my congressman is also making sure I'm not paying that much in taxes or I'm getting, you know, access to things that my business needs needs to have so that I can be more profitable. So you're asking them to put themselves in a position that could affect their pocketbook, again, their money. Are they willing to do that for marginalized um, marginalized communities? The answer I would say for a majority of them is no. So let me do these low-hanging fruit activities to keep, to appease them and continue business as usual. Yeah, because that's kind of what I feel like is happening. Tony, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I absolutely agree. When, the, when when it's all said and done, it's about money. And and again, as you say, just because some of these things that they're doing are going in the right direction or maybe better for the times. Uh, I bought Mrs. Butterworth when she had the rag on her head and I bought it when she had the perm. I mean, <laughs> I, it, I was going to buy it because that's what I like. Um, but I, you know, all of those things, they don't mean anything. You know, she could have kept a scarf on, but you give to, you, you put pressure on your Senator to look at the voter suppression laws and, and vote against those things that are against the, um, marginalized communities. You know, I'd rather you do that. And they don't want to do that. They want to do what's going to give them the best press, ultimately giving them the most opportunity to make the most money. And what are your opinions on what LeVar Burton said? As I said, he was on and said that he believes it should be called consequence culture versus cancel culture. Um, And I kind of like that because whether you speak out on a topic or not, whether you are on the right side, as we may feel, or the wrong side, there are consequences when you speak out, right? Mm -hmm. And so good, bad, or ugly you know, if people don't like it, they may stop listening to you. Or, you know, if we do this podcast and some people don't like what we're saying, the consequence of that is they may not download another one of my episodes, right? So there are consequences, no matter if you're speaking out and you're for, you know, Black Lives Matter, let's say, or you believe that, you know, George Floyd was murdered and that was a horrible thing to do. There are consequences, even though, in my opinion, that's the right side of it. There are consequences if you're on the quote unquote the wrong side of that. So how do you guys feel about him calling it or saying that it is uh it should be called consequence culture? Um, Tony, you go first. Um, I, I think that's a great alternative to calling it cancel culture because, in, in my opinion, because someone you know we talk about free speech in this country, but we get real bent out of shape when people say things that you don't necessarily agree with. Um, and to me that that's kind of what it is. And and to to cancel someone or or fire them or or, you know, boycott against them because they said what was their opinion on a topic. I I don't think that's fair. Now, as you say, there are consequences could be positive, could be negative, could be meh, you know, but there are consequences for what you do. And um, 
you you just have to to, to be able to accept that. Uh, but there shouldn't be this cancellation or just over rid of you. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that should be at all. I do I like consequence. Um, that that is a better alternative. Tam, what about you? But with consequences, sometimes it is we're going to get rid of you. You are canceled yes you are you know your career has now you know ended um you know your pocketbook is going to be um affected by it but i think when you use the word consequence people understand that right because as a child that's how your parents raise you there are consequences to your actions and they use you know they use that terminology cancel has a automatic never a negative connotation to it where consequences could be good or consequences could be bad. Um, and so I, I like consequences. It, it, it makes you have to use your brain a little bit better and a little bit more to say, you know what? What I'm about to say may be controversial. It may impact me in some form or fashion. Am I willing to put myself out there to do that or not? Um, the same with companies. If they thought about it in that fashion when they are putting together their campaigns and developing their products and services and thought about who is my target audience? Who am I really trying to attract with this? How is this going to be perceived, whether it's with my target audience or not my target audience? Is that what I want the consequences to be? Great. If not, then perhaps we need to go back to the drawing board and make adjustments. And so I like the idea of consequence culture versus cancel culture. Yeah, I think I think consequences also gives an opportunity for growth. Cancel, that kind of ends it, what happens now. Uh, but consequences allows for the opportunity to grow. And and um, so again, I, that's why I think that's a, a better terminology. And I agree, Tim, I was going to say the same thing. Sometimes the consequence is you're canceled. And sometimes it that is the appropriate response. Uh, because one thing that I do think um, it really irritates me is we want to cancel some for saying something right, but we don't cancel others who said virtually the mm-hmm. exact same thing. And, you know, that really gets me too. And I think that there is a difference in because, um, you know, I read some stuff, you know, Charles Barkley is always controversial in whatever he says, and I may not agree with it, but I don't think he, he hasn't said anything that was disparaging or whatever he you know like apparently he didn't like the whole defund the police and who you gonna call if you got your ghostbusters but you need to stop all that or um he felt like kneeling was uh just it, it you ain't really doing nothing but kneeling and making people mad or he doesn't like the fact that athletes began to wear black lives matter or other things on their jerseys because he feels like people come to sports to escape they, that's why they're watching it. I don't necessarily agree with any of those things. I think that, you know, that's a topic for another day, but the whole defund the police thing, again, is one of those terms where people have taken it and and made it something that that is not what is really meant. And again, perhaps as LaVar is saying, we need to change cancel to consequence. The defund the police conversation perhaps needs to have a different name. You know, that is more talking about the fact that when your budget for your police department is three times the size of your educational budget, that's a problem, Mm -hmm. right? That's really what they're talking about, not defunding the police. So I may not agree with the things that he's saying, 
but he shouldn't lose his job over them. However, somebody like Karen, which, you know, she done messed up my whole entire name. I just, <laughs> my name will never be the same. You know, never be the same. I'm going to start going by my middle name in a minute. Right? Just tell them Karen with an I, Karen with an I. I'm just, okay, I'm going to try to, because I'm like, y'all, can we call it something else? Lord Jesus. I was like, really? Anyway, what she did to that brother in the park could have caused him to be, uh, you know, she used the police as a weapon and her, and it, you could hear it in her voice. Oh, it is. She got real frantic in her voice and all of that type of stuff. And it was clearly racially motivated and it could have caused him harm. And so the consequence for her was that her company let her go. Right. And so in a case like that, for people to say, oh, here, that isn't about free speech. You tried to use the police as a weapon that could have cost this man his life because you were wrong and had your dog out here, not on a leash. And so I don't so what, want people to get confused about that. Would you want it to comment, Tim? Yeah, sorry. So what you're really saying and what I'm hearing in general is, and I've always been preaching language matters. The language that we use and the words we choose to use matter because one person's interpretation of a word could, is totally different could be totally different than the way you mean for that word, you know? So I, you know, consequence, everybody understands what consequence means, right? Cancel, people are using cancel differently. Um, initially, you know, it, it had a decent connotation. People understood it was calling, you know, using our voice, calling it out, but then it, it started to change and, you know, oh, we're canceling everything because we're canceling the wrong things or in some people's minds or we're canceling anything that, you know, Joe just throw down the down the street feels that it is offensive or not offensive. And so that's the importance of understanding the importance and nuances of language and making sure that we are clear, clearly stating, like defund the police. If there was a little bit longer, more of an information behind it, or if you use a different word, then people would know we're not talking about getting rid of the police department, as you indicated. It's really about making sure we're funding the right services so that the police are not the first go-to or the only go-to um, for a community to, to protect themselves. Education is a way for a community to protect themselves. Community services are a way for a community to protect themselves. The police should be your, in some instances, your last course of action, right? Um, and so that's the importance and the nuances of language and the importance of, you know, making sure as we're naming things in this quick to name culture and try to be hip that we're using the right language to, you know, form for terminology. And as we're in, you know, interacting with one another. I guess that is a good way to put it. A lot of it is about the language that we use um, and making sure that we're all under on the same page. I guess it just irritates me because all of this started as a way for marginalized communities to recognize that mm -hmm. they still had power and still had yep. a voice and still had a way that they could impact those who you, you, you like my money, right? You like it when I buy things, you like it when I do this or that, but you are, you know, you have um, celebrities who you, you take dog, the bounty hunter, right? It was a lot of black folks who watched that show and he was using the N word 41 North. Right. So, um, it, it was important for black folks to know that and say, hey, we need to speak up as a marginalized group. We can all come together and still make our voice be heard. That's what it was really supposed to be about, not about, you know, we need to change the name of Uncle Ben's rice or what have you, even though those may be things that for this time, 
those companies should take a look at. It was about allowing a marginalized group of people to know that they could come together and have power and have a voice. And so I do think um, I agree with that, that sometimes it's the language that we're using. Um, One of the other things that I noticed as I was doing research was that um, there are a lot of comedians that have gotten caught up in this whole cancel culture thing. And how, how do you reconcile that? So when do we decide that a joke is just a joke? And when do we decide that it's over the line and this person needs to be censured for lack of a better word, or there needs to be a boycott or what have you, you know, cause I guess that was another thing that Charles Barkley was complaining about. You can't even have fun no more. You can't tell a joke. So how do we know? And I guess that's the problem with it. Some of this stuff is so subjective. It's so, some of it, I think is pretty blatant. I mean, you're using the N word in this day and time, or you can't act like, oh my bad. I ain't know like for real, <laughs> you know, but I guess some of this can be so subjective. So how do we reconcile that? When is a joke a joke? And when have we gone too far? And there's something that needs to be done about that. Tam, you can go first. We have to remember that as we, if we go to and listen to a joke from a comedian, we're at their place of employment, right? We've decided to walk ourselves into their place of employment and allow them to set the tone for their place of employment. Um, There are times, obviously, that they can go too far, right? There's not complete free will and they can go too far. And as you indicated, it is very subjective. But we also have to remember we paid the ticket. Or, you know, we decided to turn the channel to watch that. Um, And at the time that it becomes offensive to us, we can either decide to walk out and not cancel them, but decide that we're no longer going to spend our dollars on supporting them. Um, Or we can decide to turn the channel. And so recognizing that they are making, they're just a reflection of what's going on in the world. And they're telling their, what's going on, they're telling the story of how they perceive what is going on in the world. So this is their perception. So it's just like me saying to you, if I've hurt your feelings, that you don't have a right to feel that way, right? How am I to tell you how you feel? And so how am I to tell someone who feels that they've been offended how they feel? But you also have to remember, you decided to put yourself in that space and you should have been familiar with their style of storytelling and joke telling and determine whether or not that's where you want to be and spend your time. Got it. Got it. Tony, how about you? Um, I, I, I have the same, same thoughts. I, it's, you chose to be there. I've been to see comedians and wasn't even necessarily them talking about race or gender. I I just didn't, you know, there's uh, one, I can't think of his name, but every other word is MF and, and it's, and he's very angry when he, and that's his type of comedy. I I wouldn't choose to go see him because I, I don't like that. I, you know, should I, should he be canceled? Should we make, you know, a big deal? Should he, you know, lose his booking? No, I just don't like it. Um, and a lot of this stuff, as you said, Karen is subjective. It's, it's what it means to, to each individual. Um, and, and, and again, as Tam said, uh, we chose to be there and you can leave, um, you can change the channel, listen to another song, you know, so we we have the choice with some of these things. And again, I think, Tam, as you were saying, you know, choosing whether or not we want to spend our dollars. And if there are enough of us who choose not to spend those dollars, perhaps they learn that, OK, maybe this isn't the style of comedy I need to be doing. Right. So 
Um, I was just curious to get your thoughts because that's a big one because a lot of comedy is around what's going on and some of it is shock value or what, I mean, that's, that's part of what a lot of comedians do. Um, so I was curious about that. I also wanted to get your thoughts, you know, as we talked about things like Dr. Seuss and that sort of thing, when the word came out that they were going to be putting some of those books to bed or some of those Disney movies were going into the vault, sales skyrocketed. Um, and I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I don't know if um, it's people who feel like, oh, because I do, I, I agree with with Dr. Seuss, like the Mulberry Street is one I read and I can't recall what was in it, but there was another one where the way they portrayed and talked about Asian Americans are Asians. Yeah, it was it was like, I mean, I could see where they were coming from with that. And so I don't know how to feel is it is, you know, it's almost like have people has cancel culture become such a. Um, I don't know. Irritant to people that it's like, oh, my God, we're just getting rid of everything. So we're going to show our support by buying these books that may truly have some racial uh, insensitivities that we should not be upholding. So how do you guys feel about that when they do that type of stuff and sales of some of those things like go through the roof? Tam, how about you start? I think some of it is people who may feel that it's innocuous and I grew up on it and I'm okay. I also think a lot of it is greed, money again. Money makes the world go around. If you're about to take this book or take this movie out of circulation, if I have it, there's going to be a buyer one re for one reason or another that I can take advantage of by now selling this $10 book. And I just went and looked uh, looked it up. The Mulberry, you know, I saw it on Marber Mulberry Street and immediately one of the Google searches came up saying, book, $215. So they're taking advantage of the fact that now this is going to be out of circulation. Um, so I think it's just twofold people who see that there's nothing wrong with it, you know, wrong with the book. And let me make sure that I have a copy for my children or my grandchildren or my great grandchildren. And then there's people who are just trying to take advantage of it from a monetary standpoint. Tony, what are your thoughts? What she said. That's really profound. Thank you. Hey, I really no. I think I think your audience get so much out of that. I think your audience is very intelligent and does not need me to repeat exactly what she just said. Money, greed, and nostalgia. I guess I can go with that. Thank you for you know at least giving us some bullet points instead of like yeah what she said. <laughs> I can. I defer the next question to Tony. <laughs> Thank you ever so. I appreciate that. <laughs> so as we get ready to wrap this up, um, I just wanted to touch on the word woke too, right? Because that, that aggravates the living daylights out of me. Like, for example, um, I think my husband and I were talking about it. It's a basketball team. I want to say it's the Celtics, but don't quote me. They are looking, they, you know, maybe on the hunt for a new head coach and they are looking at a woman. And somebody commented, I'm so sick of everybody being so woke. Why can't we just get the best person for the job? Um, and as I looked into cancel culture, there was a lot of uh, interchanging or it was almost like, oh, the cancel culture is as a result of all these people who so woke all of a sudden. Or like Chris Harrison, I think is his name with The Bachelor or whatever. You know, oh, now we so woke that a plantation party is a bad look now. But back then they were just girls dressing up for a party. But now everybody is so woke. 
Um, and again, that was a term that really I think they're using out of context. It was more about people who truly, genuinely became aware of, hey, this th like I really honestly believe the Dr. Seuss people saw that, OK, th this really for the time we're in is not correct and we really need to take a look at it. And they really were sincere. I think I could be I could be wrong. But how do you guys feel about the way that term is also being used and they're using it to, you know, they're just everybody's so woke. They're just trying to get rid of everything and you can't say anything without, you know, somebody complaining. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that word is also being turned into something other than what it was really intended to be? And it always is stuff that starts in our culture and people take it and twist it um, to, again, I think, get people's minds off of what we really should be talking about. Tony, you first. Um, I, I think it, it's just as we've said throughout the conversation, it's just taking um, what was meant to be one thing, using it uh, and, and twisting it into something else. And as you said, that that term was was there to describe someone who really didn't understand, didn't realize. And now they're they're awakened to the knowledge that maybe that's not the best way to have portrayed that or, or to have stated that. So we're going to make this change. And they are honestly doing it for those reasons. That's what the term was supposed to signify. Not the fact that because of social media and, and the internet and everything, things that people already have been awake about are out in the open now and it's being seen. And, it, you know, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that, you know, things are just wide open now and everybody has seen it and we understand. No, that's not. It's people honestly came to a realization that something that has been treated as the norm, it, it should now be held to a different standard and changed for the times. Tam, how about you? I agree with Tony said, but I also, what's wrong with being woke? What's wrong with being awakened to something I did not understand previously? What is wrong with now having a better understanding of why my neighbor may be upset about something that I wouldn't have been upset about because we don't have, we, I wasn't walking the same path in life as they were. I wasn't walking in their shoes. And now that I'm awoken or awakened to their experience and how they're experiencing that, it now may change the way I go about living my life. So I, you know, why is it such a negative to be woke majority? Why? What is it that you're afraid of woke people knowing about and recognizing that you want to keep us all asleep in a coma going forward? And so, you know, what all that Tony has said, it's a way to keep people living their lives the way they've always been living their lives because there is less agitation with that than if you are educating individuals about why this may be offensive, of why people are rallying, why people are protesting. Now you may have, now what? We may get more people who will protest with us or rally around what we're saying and that'll you know upset the apple cart. Is that what we're really concerned about majority is upsetting the apple cart and creating making you uncomfortable versus continuing to keep the marginalized community uncomfortable. And I completely agree with that. And when you said it, the way you uh, broke it down, it is uh, a way of keeping people from really saying, Hey, um, 
this is a problem and getting more and more people to understand that. And so you turn it into a, a, a negative. See, they, because to me, why can't we celebrate the fact that they're thinking about a woman? So, so what they're woke that now, you know, women, I mean, men have been coaching women's basketball forever. I mean, I mean, you know, at a college level, whatever. So mm-hmm. now you're talking about, you know, WNBA, whatever. So now you're talking about allowing a woman to coach at the NBA level. And right now it's just, they're looking at her. She's one of the people they're thinking about. And oh, everybody's so woke, just get the right person for the job. Well, maybe this woman is the right person for the job. So I I completely agree. It's a way to keep people. If you make woke negative, if you make being woke a bad thing, then um, it stops people from really taking the opportunity to see or understand because you aren't in my shoes, right? Hence, the title of this podcast. Um, but taking the opportunity to really view it from another person's perspective, I think would make the majority very uncomfortable. And so it's another word that we're going to turn on its head and make being quote unquote woke. Oh, here we go again. Everybody's so woke. Well, I, I mean, should we stay asleep to the fact that a woman can coach a men's basketball team? We should, we should, we should stay asleep to that. Should we not bring um, you know, attention to the fact that like there was one CEO who, you know, oh, I would really h- love to hire a black, whatever it was, engineer, whatever. We, we just haven't been able to find any. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it's so we're just going to stay asleep to the fact that, hey, there are a gazillion HBCUs with great uh, engineering programs. You mean to tell me not one of them had a black person <laughs> that you could hire. But if a person takes the time to take that next step and do that, oh, now you so woke, you got to go to this HBCU and look for somebody. And that's a bad thing. Why exactly? Uh, so I do agree that, um, it uh, you know, the way you put it was just so on point that it is a way for the majority to keep us from getting together, from, you know, rallying these marginalized communities, these marginalized groups from coming together. And not only that, but for other, that for parts of the majority to say, wow, this really is wrong. And I, and we should be on the other side of this issue. You know, we should look at a woman to coach a men's team. We should look at the fact that we don't have any persons of color in the communications department or on our marketing team. Right. And so that might be why that ad plummeted and did not do well because you know we have no person of color um so then or even like I don't know this will be the last one I ask about as we uh, end today but I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to the whole um controversy around the heights and the fact that there were no darker skinned Afro Latinas or Latinos in a role Mm -hmm. I mean they were dancing but not in a role right and as you um, unpeel the layers of the people who helped with the casting and all of that, they needed a little bit of wokeness. It sounds like to me, because you, you had an Asian man who, and it's nothing wrong with an Asian man directing the film, but you, to me, again, you needed some people around the table of different hues who represented different parts of whatever this microcosm is you were trying to put together. Cause I liked the movie, but the, that was the first thing I noticed that there were no darker skinned, uh, Latinas or Afro-Latinas. And there was one gentleman who you might've thought was black and Latina who was in a starring role. The rest of it, not at all. Um, and to me, if somebody had been a little woke, right? 
maybe that was a criticism you could have avoided. Um, so have you guys been tuned into that? And what are your thoughts about it? Tam, you can go first. Um, I definitely have been in tuned to it. Um, I think and appreciate that Lin-Manuel came out and said, you know, it was definitely an oversight and apologized and recognized it after it was brought to his attention. Um, but, you know, his product is out there now and he's, you know, making the money he's going to make off of it. Um, I think we continue to at times when we we as people of color get into a space that kind of elevate us and allow us with more opportunities, we sometimes forget and put on the same blinders that the majority may have on and not think and look holistically about who is sitting at the table or, you know, this is my product that I've, you know, slaved over. Who do I have represent, representing, um, you know, who's going to represent the characters in this story that I've put together, which is sad, right? You know, because we we are still marginalized regardless of what we achieve um and you know our missed opportunities and should be pulling people along with us as we are in creating that opportunity because he has a huge platform um of that opportunity to continue to educate and create more woke individuals um around you know his community and around the specific community within New York that you know in the in the stories within the stories that I'm sure are based upon people's own personal stories that he has just flushed out um, to play on the on the screen. So a complete missed opportunity for that particular community, um, and, you know, and missed opportunity as well for those actors who could have played um, in those roles and really been able to open up their career and being seen by a broader audience. So we also have to remember as a marginalized community that once we achieve a level of success or sitting at a table, we cannot not let our voices be heard or let people over talk us because of the, we feel just grateful to be sitting at the table. Um, we're at the table. We deserve our spread at the table. We deserve to be at the, at the height of our career that we're at. Um, and so now it is our opportunity to ensure that our voices are being heard and that we're ensuring that they're hearing it and if they decide on their own, we're not going to take your advice or take your suggestions. That's on them. But if we know that we've sat at that table and didn't speak, that's on us. I agree with that. And I think that um, it's so true what you said. Sometimes we get to a certain level and we forget that um, no matter how high we climb, we're still a part of a marginalized group. And this is our opportunity to use that platform to wake up some of the majority and say, yo, we can't do this film and not have uh, Afro-Latinas of, of different hues. You know, it goes back to the colorism conversation we had all those episodes ago. Um, that's still important. Um, and you need to wake up some other people. But I guess he had to be woke first. Somebody had to wake him up. So this group of people are still marginalized, even by somebody who is a part of their group to some extent. Um, Tony, do you have a comment about that? Just that we need to remember this is new to them, though. This is we haven't been in charge. We haven't had to make those decisions. Um, we haven't had to manage a million dollar budget. So, you know, only in the last, what, five years have we started to produce direct and all of that. and and and. And so we have to remember this is new to to us too. Um, you know, it's one thing you can ask for, you know, more representation and more this, more that as a cast member and looking around you. But when you're 
in charge of the whole movie and the budget <laughs> and the this, then those things start to focus your mind and, and you may forget and I'm not excusing any behaviors or, or, or missed opportunities. But you have to remember this is new to us too. We've, we, we've never had the power. You know, I, I could talk about hiring more that look like me, but I've never had the power to, oops, wait, actually do that. I mean, I think of myself, the first time I lived on my own, graduated from college, paid my own bills, did everything on my own, lived in a whole other state. People asked me to go out for the weekend and I said, well, I have to ask, wait, I don't have to ask anybody. I I'd never, that was a new situation for me. I'd never been there. You would think as an adult, I would know that. but. I, I'd never, that was the first thing that opportunity that came to me to do something. And I, my first thought was, let me ask my, so we have to, it's a learning curve for you us ask too. Your mama girl. I was, I was going to ask my mama. I agree with the newness. It's just, if it is telling a story about your community, or if it's telling a personal story about the neighborhood in which you personally have grown up, and you look at the final, it's not, you weren't even part of the casting, let's just say. Let's just say you looked at the final, this is the cast we have to put together, this is who we think. And when you thought about the characters in real life that you interacted with, and maybe this is a reflection of how he, you know, how he grew up. Maybe it, the cast is, is a reflection. It is not. I'm sorry? It is not. It well, then, not. again, another missed opportunity of even just saying, hey, I'm not looking exactly for someone that looks like Miss Tony, but... I don't see anyone on this cast that looks like Miss Tony. And Miss Tony's been a part of my neighborhood. Was that a missed out? You know, did we see any actors or actresses? I guess it's even more surprising because of coming off of his rise of Hamilton and the fact that his his all of his cast for all of the tour companies were so diverse. And so I think for him, unfortunately. There is a huge bar that he had already set. And so his community was probably expecting great things from him. Only for it to fall slightly flat for the darker skinned Afro Latinas within his community and within his, you know, community. Um, and so for him, it might just been a little bit of a harder hit because of how he had set the bar for himself based upon his other project. Yeah, and I think he may have looked at the quote-unquote cast because there were darker-skinned brothers and sisters dancing. You know, they were part of that where you you know do dance number. You have, but in terms of a starring role, yeah, he was sleep on that. He was not woke at all on that. Um, just watching it, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And I think that that is a part of what woke was really meant to do, was to say, hey, did, did you not see this so that the next time they are able to see oh wow and that's the whole point of you know the Celtics looking at a woman now you're awake you're woke to the fact that a woman can coach a basketball team too so that we can look at women as we're making our decision um and as you said Tam I don't see what's wrong with that and calling people on it when they aren't woke like they called him on it so that we can do better the next time and I did appreciate that he didn't try to come out with the like his producer I didn't like his comment it was like well you know I do know that I didn't know enough, of, you know, I don't know enough about it. Perhaps I could be educated. But at the end of the day, we just wanted to get the right people for the roles. 
So what does that mean? Are you low-key saying there weren't any darker skinned people who could be right for the roles? So he ain't quite awake yet. He ain't quite woke. That is code. That is code for, yes. you know, I get that day in and day out of my day job of we want to make sure we hire the right people. We can't hire the best talent and the best talent be encased in different cases. They can only be cased in, you know, a certain profile. And that profile being the majority of what may already be represented within the organization. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. Your code is definite. It was, oh, you know, yes, I, I admit that. I, instead of just saying, you know, you're right, we could have done a better job. It was, well, I, I agree that, you know, I, I need to get more educated on it. To me, if you're an Asian man and you're going to do a film full of people of a different culture, you might have needed to get educated first, right? Um, and so to me, just that was your excuse lets me know that you you still got some waking up that you need to do. And that is what the term is meant to do for somebody like him to be able to see, wow, we really did miss the boat. And obviously he hasn't gotten there yet, but at least Lin-Manuel was able to say, I do see you, I hear you and, and I will do better next time. So I do give him props for that. Uh, but ladies, I want to thank you for this conversation. We covered a lot of ground today. Um, and I'm going to put a few um, things in the, in the, um, in the show notes so that people can learn more about what cancel culture was really supposed to be, not what it has become. Um, and even the term woke, there's a history there for uh, people of color, for black folks about what those terms were really meant to do um, so that we can hold on to that and really call people on it when they're using it in ways that um, that's not what it was meant to be. So I want to thank you guys for being here with me today. If there's anything else you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. Hit me up at KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is KDT at InMyShoesToday.com. That is all the time we have for today. So until we get a chance to be together again, be blessed.